Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Weird day yesterday because every stock I saw was down except for Apple. Are there cash flows that viable and important that when you say there's a new variant going around that could become a big fourth wave around the world of COVID, that people say, yeah, Apple may get hit, but they'll have the cash to survive. Maybe that is what was going on yesterday there. Very difficult to say, but that was the the thesis. NASDAQ was down 1.5%. S&P 500 was down 1.9%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 1.8%. Unless Apple really falls apart, the S&P 500 is not going to really fall apart. It's too big of a waiting. It's worthy to note. Because you probably have some of your money in your 401k and you might have an S&P 500 fund. And you also may have some Apple, which means you have a lot of Apple between the S&P 500, which is weighted, and Apple, which a lot of people own the individual stock like I do. Stocks took a nosedive yesterday. Not too shocking of a story in my opinion. But Moderna's CEO suggested existing vaccines would be less effective than the new variant on the new variant, Omicron. And Jerome Powell offered a more hawkish approach. So that was really a one-two punch yesterday. You know, Jerome Powell just got re-nominated. There's not a conspiracy theory here, but it looks a little bit suspicious, or as my children would say, sus, that he will go out of his way to say inflation's transitory. Stock market rallies, stock market rallies, stock market rallies, stock market rallies, stock market rallies. Like, to inflation is – it's a problem, and it's what he did. <clears throat> Before he got renominated, he was saying inflation's transitory, and the stock market was hitting new highs. And now that he's been renominated for another four years, basically job security, he's saying inflation's here, and we're going to have to start fighting it more aggressively. That's what he said yesterday. It looks suspect. I hope it's just data, but it looks suspect. Consumer confidence is at a nine-month low. Blame inflation woes. At the same time, Americans view the labor market conditions hit a record high last month. So a lot of college coaches are jumping ship right now. I don't know what's really going on, but Notre Dame's coach left, probably for LSU. Another coach left Oklahoma for USC. So there's a lot of teams in transition. Who's going to be their head coach? What's going to be their offensive coordinator? What's going to be who's going to be their defensive coordinator? What's it going to look like? Same thing could be said going on right now with the inflation story. It's team in transition. Powell's team <clears throat> since the summer has been saying transitory, transitory, transitory. What this probably means is we're going to start we're going to stop buying our own debt quicker than has been assumed and in 
implies that if the economy continues to stay heated, that we will raise interest rates quicker than expected in 2022. Instead of two hikes, maybe three. Let's stop right there, okay? Because we'll need to digest it, but that's the thought. So Wall Street took a big turn yesterday. It may not have felt like a drama day to you. You may have just had a normal day of going to the grocery store, picking up some food. It may have been very, very normal. But I think that was kind of big yesterday. Now, again, Jay Powell went out of his way to say that he's going to wait on the vaccine effectiveness before offering a hot take on the new variant and how it could hit the economy. Here's one that was kind of a an odd story. Have you ever gotten a text from someone and it had kind of a picture inside of it that was flashing like a meme? Um, maybe your kid just won a soccer game and you sent a victory, victory, victory. And it shows uh, people putting their arms up in V's and they're like, hey, that's a kind of an interesting text message. It's got some action to it. It's got a whole story inside of it. It's probably a GIF, right? So Facebook, a company called Meta, has been told by the UK, we're not going to let you acquire Giphy. In fact, we want you to sell it immediately. So Zuckerberg will have to go get his own gifts, just like the rest of us, for free online. It's the first time the Competition and Markets Authority has snuffed out a completed tech deal, a sign that global regulators are trying to slow big tech's massive game of snakes. It was only a $315 million deal that gave Meta ownership of Giphy. It's going to reduce competition amongst the social media platforms and ad businesses. Who would have thought Giphy's advertising business was going to be hotly contested and wanted? So Facebook had shut it down because it doesn't even want to compete with it. So now they're going to have to open back up Giphy's advertising business and try to find an approved buyer. I didn't find that story fascinating. I just found it like, who would have known that little animated gift company could create such a, a fuss? Other big stories out there of note. You're going to hear more and more about this today. Roe versus Wade in Supreme Court. And I'm going to let the news stations tell you what to think. It's none of my business. Um, I know you're saying that's a weak way to go, Rob. Have an opinion. No, thank you. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Let's take a look at some of the market stories out there today. Um, Powell changed his tone. Not his game. No need to panic at this point in time. Biden is expected to set new travel restrictions. This is going to be kind of interesting because you kind of feel like the airlines just got in the green light to take off in November. President Biden is set to announce tighter COVID restrictions for people flying into the United States, including requiring a negative COVID test one day before travel as the country looks to curb the spread of the new Omicron coronavirus variant. That doesn't seem terribly unreasonable. Um, with that said, we've all kind of already heard stories about pretty lax testing and pretty lax testing of proof. 
private payrolls post better than expected growth of 534,000 in November. The unemployment claims have hit their lowest level since 1969. The labor market's starting to heat up with inflation tied towards wages. Dow is recovering from yesterday's, how shall we say, slap in the face. Uh, down 652 yesterday on the Dow. The Nasdaq was down 245. The S&P 500 was down 88. Taking a look at how things opened up today, it's a lot better. The Nasdaq up 220, the Dow up 396, the SP 500 up 67. Is it a she loves me, she loves me not market? She loves me, she loves me not market? She loves me, she loves me not market? It certainly feels that way. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. I was reading about supply chains and I heard the word bracketing and I was like, I don't know what that means. And Oddly enough, they knew that I didn't know what that means because they wrote it down in the next sentence what it meant. It's ultimately when you buy a pair of boots, but instead of buying one, you buy two, knowing that you're going to return one of the two. You're pretty sure you know what size you need, but you think you may need one size half bigger. Or you're pretty set on a color, but you're willing to mull over another shade just to make sure. So instead of buying one pair of boots, you buy four pair of boots, knowing that you're going to return at least two or probably three of the pair of boots. A lot of people shop online this way, and it's making the supply chain nightmare even more heinous. Not to mention it creates automatic financial losses for the companies who are trying to sell you clothes because they include their free returns but they're also shipping out free. So if you're a person who's a bracketer, I don't like you. You're going to drive up my cost down the road. But do you know we've had this conversation recently about credit card rewards? I've got no shame in saying I love credit card rewards. I'm going to New York City on free flights this year. Stoked because of my credit card rewards. Um, because Flights to New York during the holidays from coast to coast are $1,000. I'm like, eh, it's points, no big deal. Still money. I know you don't think of your coffee Starbucks points as money, but it's money. If you play Fortnite and you have V-Bucks, it's money. If you have Call of Duty points, that's real money. Even though it's digital currency, it's still real money. So bracketing, did you ever hear of it? What do you think about it? What do you think about the experience? 40% of respondents to a survey of online shoppers said that they've bracketed their purchases at least occasionally. Apparel was more likely to bought and be returned than any other category. For retailers, how much of a problem do you think this is? Shoppers sent back about $100 billion in merchandise they bought online. While returning is free for you, it's not for the retailers process goes something like this. Companies have to get the items back from customers via carriers like UPS, United Postal Service, FedEx, sort through the items, determine whether they're the correct product and whether they've been used, and then decide whether the product can be resold. Sometimes that product goes straight in the trash. 
company loses money along the way, including on packaging, the labor it takes to fill the order in the first place, the freight cost of transporting the product to and from your door. That can cost a retailer between 10 to $20. Not every retailer views returns as negative. Some retailers are now using the return as a chance to engage with you again. It provides a point of contact, another marketing opportunity. So the free commerce, the free, the carbon dioxide created by the free return commerce is equivalent to about 3 million cars driving in a single year of reverse logistics. We're polluting our planet, sending stuff back. And if you don't believe in pollution, say we're creating higher gas prices, consuming more gasoline and supply and demand kind of doesn't equal necessarily what it should. It's skewed. Of all the returns that come back, about 25% go in the trash. That ends up being about 5 billion pounds of goods that end up in landfills every single year. Can bracketing be prevented is probably the big question that retailers are trying to solve right now. More and more sizing charts help. Specific measurements. Better descriptions. Uh, for instance, many years ago, I was a, I would buy, I'd go to Banana Republic to get shirts. 17 and a half inch neck. I don't know what sleeves were, 34, 35. Does that sound right? Um, and then all their packet, then all their, their goods went slim. And I'm not really sure why everything went slim. Um, but it did. So, um, so suddenly the same exact measurements didn't work anymore. Um, I don't have that. So I started returning them. So I stopped buying from Banana Republic. My thought in my head was don't do online orders anymore. Go to the store and try it out because they went from a regular shirt fitting kind of loose to a regular shirt fitting kind of slim. And there's, there's nothing more I hate than putting on a shirt and like, uh, let's just say realizing there's some soft tissue on my chest. Stop it. Don't laugh at me. My father used to laugh at me. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, okay. So retailers have to deal with that. That's, you're going to say kind of a fact of life, but it's, again, it drives up the cost. Me using credit card rewards drives up your cost. If you're not using the credit card rewards because the retailers, they're not going to say, you know, Rob just got a free flight. They're going to say, Hey, we got to up the prices on everybody. If we have to give 2% back to visa to give to Rob black, to keep him happy as a, a shopper using that credit card. That's why there's gasoline. There's a gasoline only or debit card only gas uh, station where I live. And the lines are enormous, but you get a big discount on your gasoline if you're not using a credit card. And the lines, and then you go buy one that's like credit card or cash, and the lines are, there's no one there. People are willing to wait in line to save 10 cents on gas, 20 cents a gallon. Happily. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. So, okay, so I talked about bracketing creating kind of a, a trash nightmare, right? 
How about the FedEx driver who dumped packages into an Alabama ravine? What do we do about him? Um, 450, 400 packages, about 450 people total were uh, affected. Um, I don't know what was in the packages. I don't know why he wanted to have taken the packages and opened them and sold them. But instead, he just dumps them in a ravine. What do you do with that kind of guy who is a polluter and a criminal? Do we start looking at the cost of crime on two levels? We're looking at the cost of returns on two levels. And price being to me that the consumer doesn't return a lot of things. Anyhow, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, trash is a big topic. Maybe I'll do a little bit more digging this segment into the trash pile to find some good content for you because I think I have some. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial. Find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, <clears throat> corrections are upsetting when you experience them on Wall Street. I know. I get it. Um, it's alarming, to say the least, for a lot of people. The market's been acting funny in the last five or six sessions, going up a lot, going down a lot, going up a lot, going down a lot. You kind of have a hunch that's sometimes wrong, but you kind of have a hunch like we've been going up for 10 straight years ultimately. And anyone who has bought has probably made money and probably feels pretty smart and pretty confident. I don't think it's always going to be this easy. But if the recent volatility has got you a little bit edgy, that might be a good thing. Right now, a lot of us are going to be starting to think Rob's going to New York. Rob's taking some time off, um, time with family. Like we're starting to get in that mentality. And one of the things I hate doing is going on holiday and checking the stocks, checking the market. Just hate it. I'll be honest. I've done it before. I've been on romantic getaways. And yes, I've slipped into the lobby and slipped into the online, uh, the one internet connection, the tropical resort had and yes i did look at stocks so sometimes you can't help but do it um i once read a book and i think i'm saying this correctly by russell napier it was about bear markets and it was called the anatomy of a bear market or anatomy of a bear he talked about all the big bear markets in the u.s history and the granddaddy of them all was 1929 and the great depression one of the things you learn when you read a book like that, it's history, right? It's a historical account. And one of the things you, you see is if you can time the bottom of a bear market exactly right, you can make a hell of a lot of money in very short order. Snapbacks. Yesterday, the market was down 500, 600. Today, it's up 400, 500. That's a lot of money in one day. In 1932, if you had bought at the exact bottom, you would have doubled your money in a matter of months. 
you get into the mentality of people like me who are like, I'd like that to work out for me. I'd like to buy me some super low and sell super high in a snapback kind of way. I don't mean to sound stupid when I'm like, I'd like to buy me. What I'm doing, what I'm doing, I'm trying to create a character of the average man. When the market's down 20%, it's scary. When the market's down 30%, you're, you're freaked out. When you go down 40, 50, 60%, which I've seen in my lifetime, once in the 2000s, um, you're kind of going, like, this is no fun. This is absolutely positively no fun. I've seen a million dollars turn into $400,000. Why didn't I just sell it the high? Why didn't I diversify the way down? And you get kind of terrified. Except for if you have money. Um, I will say one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was in 2000, 2002, I didn't have a lot of cash on the sidelines. I had some, but not a lot. I had a regular 401k contributions that I was putting in, but I was not strategically poised and, and ready for down in tech stocks, 20 to 60%. An overall market down 20%. When we look back at history, and we see apples at an all-time high. And that could have been today. It could be tomorrow. It could have been six months ago. When you look back and you see a 20% correction on something like an apple, you're going to go, oh, I should have sold it high. As with any steep correction, and right now we're not in a steep correction. Right now we're in an up market. <clears throat> she loves me. Down market. She loves me not. And we kind of know the next pedal is going to be she loves me because we're rebounding. We're buying on the dips. That won't always happen. For some reason, whenever I think of She Loves Me, She Loves Me Not, I think of Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. I wasn't a big fan of Miss Piggy. I know you're saying, nah, yeah, you're getting sexist. Literally, you can't put lipstick on that pig and make it look attractive. That was just my analysis as a kid. I was like, Kermit could do so much better. I was pulling for Kermit to dump her. So I think the lesson here is that bear markets destroy everyone's capital. And just a bear market's a, a correction of 20%. But when it goes down 60%, you're freaked out. And you, you, you look back and you go, I should have. Don't be that person. In my mutual funds, I practice what I preach. Every single year, twice a year, I sell the stuff that has become too much. And I buy some of the stuff that has gone too down too low. And on any given year, we can find that because you're going to be owning some small cap mutual funds, some mid cap mutual funds, some large cap. You're going to be owning some growth at income. You're going to be owning some income. You're going to be owning some developing international funds. Every single year, I can find something that underperformed in my uh, 401k. So twice a year, what I do is I say, <clears throat> if I still like international, it's underperformed. And my large cap growth, i.e. my Apple, my Microsoft any mutual fund like the S&P 500 that has market weighted with those names in it, I'm going to trim some of that 20% that became 25%. I'm going to take that 5% and put it back into my international. Because I don't want the weighting to be that high in my portfolio. I could still have the exposure. Um, and I'm not selling the complete winner because I'm reallocating into some losers, right? And I'm not doing this. This is not science, what I'm talking about right now. This is not my exact formula. 
but it's the right concept. It's the right theory. So as you get older and older and older, you know that corrections happen and you read books and you see like, wow, you could do really well if you could pick the exact bottom. Do you know what did really well in my exact picking was my 401k because I bought every two weeks. I bought high. I bought low. I've been up. I've been down. It's like a bad song from Train, right? Um, when you buy consistently, you spread out your cost average and you're not crystal balling it because crystal balling does not work. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. So the UK overlords have told Facebook that they have to sell off Giphy. Um, Giphy basically makes small bursts of videos. They're called GIFs or GIFs. They're popular on Facebook and rival platforms like Twitter. Um, they're all over email newsletters. Now, Meta sees anything that can be monetized in the world of advertising as possibly pretty interesting. I'm still not used to calling Facebook Meta, but I'm trying. Um, <clears throat> a little bit more on the GE breakup. They're now in sell-off mode, and they're going to divide into an aviation company, a healthcare company, and an energy company. So what you saw when GE announced this was the shares shot up a lot because we could value the healthcare company different than the energy company, different than the aviation company. Aviation is a growth business around the world. Healthcare is a growth business. Energy, not so much. Unless you're making solar panels, not so much. So in a very Cinderella kind of way, it's all going to turn out perfect, but you got to be home by midnight. And if you're not, then it's not so good for you. GE unlocked a lot of shareholder value. So if we go back to Facebook slash Meta, if they ever get broken up or if Apple ever gets broken up or if Google ever gets broken up or if Microsoft ever gets broken up, um, it would probably mean good things for the shareholders. Because of a, a dumpy dump kind of company like GE can see an explosion of valuation you can kind of see how Wall Street kind of digs. They, they, what Wall Street does, and here's a little secret for you. If you're a conglomerate, they're going to put the PE that they're going to value you on, the, the, the slowest growing part of the company. So GE's been valued as if it's an oil energy company for the last 10 years and not a healthcare company. And that's why it unlocks value, because the conglomeration kind of hurts value. It kind of lowers it, especially if it turns the company into a slower grower. Did a little bit more work yesterday after SpaceX. A quote came out of Elon Musk, genuine risk of bankruptcy. That got you thinking, right? Two vice presidents quietly left SpaceX last month, and Musk said executives have since found existing manufacturing delays to be far more severe than they first thought because SpaceX is a private firm. They don't know exactly how many Raptors that they will need, but there's enough information out there. For orbital launches, a single Starship rocket prototype needs about 39 Raptor engines. Musk has previously said he wants to build 800 to 1,000 Raptors per year within a decade, enough to support 25 Starships. So we're getting a little bit more detail about how intensive it is to get stuff into space. Pretty interesting trying to value a space company, is it not? On the ability to build Raptor engines. 
makes and analyzes electric vehicles a little bit easier. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. robblackshow.com robblackshow.com So I was watching a little financial media yesterday. <laughs> and I was listening to a little Machine Gun Kelly. I slip in a podcast or two. I could only do about two days of podcasts that I get tired of them and fatigued and then I need like five days off and I come back later. But Machine Gun Kelly got me thinking that people are angry at him that he's turned into a pop rock star when he was kind of a punk star. I'm like, why do people care that much? That's a lot of hate. That's a lot, that's a lot of like getting angry at your favorite musician because he changes genres. I only wish I could change genres. Um, but taking a look yesterday at just some of the stories that were, were flying across. Exxon says it can double its earnings while expanding low-carbon investments. That's a bit of a problem, no? 100-plus years of pulling oil out of the ground, black gold. And slowly but surely, you, you get the world hooked on your goods. Cars are made V4 engines, V6 engines. Rum, 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 rum. People were buying SUVs that got six miles per gallon Hummers. Rum, 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 rum. And then electric vehicles come along and gasoline shoots up. OPEC's in an interesting position for 2022. Some people think oil can go to 120 early in 2022 based on what OPEC does or doesn't do. But OPEC, not OPEC, Exxon plans to spend $20 billion, $25 billion a year on capital expenses. It's a much leaner budget than prior years where they're spending 30 to 35 billion trying to find more profitable projects in their CapEx investments. More than 90% of its investments generate returns greater than 10%, even at oil prices at $35 a barrel. So Exxon just said something that makes me look and want to salivate at the company. They pay a big freaking fragging dividend. Check. That's attractive. They said we're going to cut our capital expenditures. We'll have more money to buy back stock, more money to give shareholders and dividends, more money to weather a slowdown. And the money that they put into CapEx tends to be very profitable rates of returns. <clears throat> so that headline may not do much for you, but it gets me excited by the stock at these levels. With that said, you always need to consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stock expansion. I'm not going to be buying ExxonMobil. It's not the part of portfolio research I like doing. A good chunk of my money is managed by EP Wealth. The other chunk of money that I have is managed by myself. And that tends to be the, the names that I mention on the show on a regular basis. Names like Nike, names like Disney, names like Apple. Big blue chip companies that aren't going to get me into a lot of trouble. I'm not at the point where I need to take speculative risk. 
you probably won't ever find me buying a $5 stock because it's $5. If I can find a great company that happens to be at $5 a share, I'm interested. <clears throat> For instance, some of the electric vehicle charging stations were pretty cheap this summer. And I think they are attractive long-term, especially if Biden gets the infrastructure spending on electric vehicles, right? Part of building out electric vehicle infrastructure is building out charging stations. Um, but I'm not very speculative. If you're looking for speculative, you should probably find a different show. Um, I don't feel like most people get rewarded for the amount of risk they take. It's not worth it. Um, especially since you could basically buy monopolies right now or pseudo monopolies in Apple in Facebook and Google. I know you're saying, so in the world of search, 75% of it lands on Google and that's, yeah, that's kind of like owning a monopoly board where you own a death row where you own 30 of the 40 properties and no matter where they roll, if they're in your, your streets, they're screwed. They're going to lose. It's going to hurt. <clears throat> um, I like to read a lot about history and like how sectors get their start. And for me, a lot of technology like Microsoft got its, its big push because of productivity at corporate America. Uh, we're coming up on December 7th, which was a pretty big day in American history when I think of December 7th. I think of Pearl Harbor, right? What, what do you? I had a friend whose birthday was on December 7th, and she hated it. But when Japanese bombs at Hawaii literally blasted the United States in World War II, that started the defense industry in the United States. We weren't all that concerned about being invaded. We weren't all that concerned about having uh, a massive spend on infrastructure in the United States for defense. America's military ranked in size with those of Portugal and Netherlands in the 1930s. Today, the United States spends more on its military than the next 10 nations combined. Supporting an estimated 750 overseas bases in 80 countries, American businesses followed the military with brands like Coca-Cola, Google, Starbucks, ubiquitous from China to Chile, while Wall Street serves the world's banks as the U.S. arms industry. Uh, an empire was built all because of Pearl Harbor. Um, but it's, it, this is one of those examples where it's kind of become a forever war, the defense industry. I don't know. I like finding like the manufacturing that came out of World War II and you know, that super helped companies like Whirlpool and GE appliance makers. So we had the factory space that we we're using for military weapons that we suddenly had to repurpose into other items. Anyhow. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, invested more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show.